Hello and welcome to episode 18. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Codec Call, the CodecMoments.com podcast. Hello. <laughs> How the devil are you? I'm not bad. Jolly not good. Bad. Jolly good. I'm Andy Brown. This is Matthew Holt. Good evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening. It's evening for us at the moment. It's Sunday night. Um, so that's nice. Uh, do we have a cram-packed, action-filled show? We do. Yay. We do. We actually have a proper running order for a change with timings and everything. Excellent. Well, coming up on the first minute, let's uh, let's crack on. Don't forget, if you do want to join in as you're listening along, then tweet us at Codec Moments, or you can now go to our new Facebook community group. Ooh. Ooh which is very exciting so uh, make sure you join in there first part of the show is um previous meetings minutes well yeah basically um as you just said people who've joined in during the last podcast let us know what they've been thinking um just um quick recap on some of the things we talked about on our new year's eve podcast which was uh, game and the state of the high street and surprises and disappointments of the year and bits and pieces like that. And uh, I think first up, Nick Case actually used our voicemail system to leave us a message. Yeah, Nick got in touch with us. Uh, over Christmas, I went to the Metro Centre, which is in Newcastle. And there are, I think I counted four different shops which sell video games. There's Game, which you talked about last episode. There's HMV, which mainly sell music, but I'm counting them because they sell games. Kex and Granger Games. Now, I went into all of these... And I wasn't really particularly looking to buy a game. I was just looking at the prices of different things. By far and away, the most expensive was game, which I wasn't surprised at, but they shouldn't be the most expensive. More expensive than some most of the sales, especially uh, over the Christmas period. Uh, even the console sales, which are normally higher priced than retail, they were a lot more expensive. Uh, for example, I went into HMV first, and I saw Rainbow Six Siege on the PS4, and it retailed at a grand total of £30. I then went to Granger, who had it new for £30 and pre-owned for £25. Kex didn't have anything. And then, <laughs> and then I went into game, and yeah, it was the, the pre-owned price of Rainbow Six Siege on the PS4 was £35, which is £5 more than a new version uh, in two different stores, which are only in the metro centre there, about 300 metres away, which is ludicrous. Now, I stood up for game previously saying, look, you know, these people have overheads and that's it. But if everyone else is selling it for £5 cheaper than you are pre-owned, there's not there's something wrong there. There is. You've got to look at your pricing structure, especially somewhere, like it says, it's in the metro centre. It's a shopping precinct. You know, it's it's a little bit inexcusable, is that one? And It's not good. Can't defend it. He, he goes on to talk about online sales. I find a lot of the time, because I keep up to date with games and stuff like that, I listen to podcasts and I read gaming news a lot. I've got my feed list basically two-thirds is game news websites so i don't really use them um like i I just pre-ordered uh the remaster of beyond two souls and heavy rain online and it was 25 pounds for both games i've not checked what price it's going to be in game but i'm guessing it's 40 45 pounds and that's that's 15 20 quid that's that's a lot of money Uh, that's another game They're, they're just not keeping up to standards they're not keeping up to prices and what they offer for me 
isn't really anything really um which is kind of sad I, I do like the high street but it's more i like the high street in the fact there's somewhere to go to um but buying stuff not so much anymore so did we fact check that i did i checked games website and the website selling it for 29.99 for beyond two souls and the heavy rain remasters that doesn't mean the store will be selling it at 29.99 as we've noticed there's usually a five pound discrepancy between the two so it could be up to 35 if you walk into a shop so he's not far off the money there then maybe not until we actually walk into the shop and see it we don't really know but i suspect he's right okie dokie what else what else then what who's come back with well um at psalm 67 so colm got in touch um pretty much a little bit of a similar sentiment to nick um he told us that games effectively gone from highland now they don't exist there as an entity anymore um and that he didn't think much to their knowledge and customer service when he was in um we have a great comment from him where he said um he heard one shop ass i presume he meant assistant but I'm taking it as he meant an actual ass, tell a customer they needed to buy a battery pack with their Xbox controller. Um, it's just stated their expertise in his experience as being rubbish. And unfortunately, I think we did say it last time, you do get that. Okie dokie. Um, Steve Barnett got in touch as well. Oh, right. So Steve uh, got in touch on Facebook and said, um, I do use game to trade in and as a mine of information and secondhand titles. Uh, you're right about needing to use it if we want a game-specific shop on the high street. Which was nice. So that kind of backed up what what our sentiment was last time, was. and um, seems to fly in the face That's of. That's it. Cough. As we said, we don't really disagree with anybody's comments because I agree prices are too high, but I use them for second hand because it's a way to get rid of my old titles and get something back. And I think as well, it comes down to the the caliber of the staff in your local store as to whether it's a good experience and whether they're yeah. worth going to. Or not. And I think that's the same in any retail shop not just games specifically okie dokie uh, Stephen also weighed in on couch co-op and saying that whilst at university he went through the Silent Hill games and MGS2 on the PS2 I did that at university I think we did as well um, uh, three or four of us passing the controller about also did the Zelda Ocarina of Time that's an awesome game yeah I've played that one um, pass and play as well uh, Jet Force Gemini and a bunch of others in recent years since leaving university uh, we did Mirror's Edge and the Gears trilogy as a group with plenty of beer loving the podcast guys oh, I, uh, Mirror's Edge is a past the pad that would have been that would have just calmed my br- blood pressure an awful lot <laughs> um, yeah that w- that's actually a really good idea with something like that There's something that doesn't have a, a co-op mode or an online mode or anything else it's just pure skill based and that could be very useful Okie dokie. So, um, oh, well, actually, another comment from Stephen uh, about surprises and disappointments. Yeah. Um, so he said he was surprised by Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which I think a lot of people have said, if I'm quite honest. Um, after Unity, I was worried it would be another car crash, but it's held my attention as I've just pipped 97% completion. Wow. That's, that's pretty good. That's good to know. It still sat on my shelf. It's still, and, well, it's still um, wearing a hole in the floor, and I haven't yet put it on. Um, oh my goodness and he says regards disappointments that he hasn't really had any because he does a lot of research before he buys time is a premium so games need to be good Um, the fact that Lego Jurassic World uh, doesn't save games properly is a constant problem now Um, I I just won't mind knowing what platform that's on because I got the platinum for Lego Jurassic World this year it'll be Xbox One Uh, and I've never had any issues on the PS4 so unfortunate because it's a nice little game a really nice little game 
Um, he also says another surprise was Massive Chalice, a freebie on Games with Gold. Um, think XCOM and Game of Thrones combined. Ooh. Do you know, I love XCOM. I, I don't see what the fuss about Game of Thrones is. You're looking forward to XCOM too. Do you know what? I think I am. I, it's sounding rather good, isn't it? It's, I've got a feeling it's PC only to begin with. It is, yeah. It's PC and Mac. Um, and it's on that other thing. Linux. Linux. It's on is that. it? Apparently. Ah, yeah. right. Um, but uh, but no console release yet. No, no I had not seen anything. They, they haven't said no? I, the only thing from what I've read so far is it does sound a little bit Falling Skies done as done by the XCOM team. And wasn't that the Falling Skies game that came out anyway, which was just XCOM with a Falling Skies skin? I didn't play that. Did you play that? No, we didn't in the end. But it looked very much like XCOM. Okie dokie. Anyway, sorry, sidetracked. Back to what people <laughs> got in touch with us about, especially the um, surprises and disappointments. Uh, Nick Hulk, who probably had the biggest disappointment of the year, because um, he got himself banned from the PSN. Oh, ouch. Now, um, for anybody who hasn't followed it on Twitter, um, it basically sounds like uh, he had a few problems with timings of payments and uh, deciding to swap one payment to another. Sony didn't take that very nicely and uh, suspended his account, and it's taken him a long while to get back. It's unfortunate. There's a lesson there for all of us. Just um, make sure that you don't cancel a payment after it's just been taken. (laughs) Um, And is well... I say that was his disappointment. That was his surprise as well. His actual main disappointment was that actually lost him his codec momentum. Though it didn't really, because we'll get to that later on. Okay. Uh, Nick Case, we've already heard from him. That his surprise of uh, last year was Until Dawn. His disappointment was The Witcher 3. Okay, any others? Mike Type Films. Yep. Who was disappointed with Destiny DLC. The Taken Arse, apparently. Um, I however, don't, I don't remember that one. You don't remember that one? No, I remember The Taken King. <laughs> The Taken Arse sounds far more graphic. <laughs> and obviously not as engaging. Um, but his surprise of last year was Mad Max, because it's just a damn good game. It really is good. And yeah, it was on somewhere near my list anyway. Um, and I think that was it for last year, wasn't it? Yeah, that's uh, for last year. Well, for last time. Last episode. Last episode and for last year, surprise and disappointments. Okay, okay let's move on. Right, so what have you been playing? Quite a lot this month. I got through loads. Um, I did Game of Thrones. I did Deadpool. Um, I did uh, the Tomorrow Children beta. I did an what, hour of that. What was what that? Was that an hour you never getting back? Yeah. <laughs> it it's not the game's fault. Uh, the beta is very clearly in this instance to test network capability. It didn't tell you how to play the game or the purpose or what you were meant to be doing. Um, so it was a little bit strange, and I'm going to hold judgment until it actually comes out. Okay. Um, I've played a bit of Grim Fandango. Uh, I started that finally because it came for free. Um, but really, this month, I think there's three games that have taken up my time. Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, that's taken up a lot of my time. It's taken up so much of my time that I still haven't finished the review. <laughs> I think I think we might have even mentioned it in the last podcast that I was going to go out and buy it on your recommendation. I've just got to stop playing it and start writing about yeah. it. It's good. It's just so much fun. Um, and the 
the co-op works so well, whether you're playing with friends or playing with strangers. It just lends itself towards it. There's a lot of content there, and it's it is a lot of fun, and it's just manages to bring out the tactician in you, even if you're not particularly tactically minded. It's it's just great, absolute time killer. Yeah, I've had an awful lot of fun with it. An awful lot. <laughs> um, another one that I didn't actually expect any good, and it was on the back of us talking last month about your Star Trek Mobile experience. I forgot, even forgot the name of the terrible game. Trexels. Trexels was mm. that it? Oh god! I spotted something a few days afterwards called Star Trek Timelines, which I have to keep saying to myself: it's timelines, not Star Trek timeliness. It's timelines. I just keep reading it as that. Time reporting on yeah. the Starship Enterprise. And it's a mobile adventure game. I, it makes me feel a little bit like 80 Days, but it's not 80 Days. In in a kind of a branching storyline sort of way. But you, you're just recruiting crews from all time periods of Star Trek. You so know, the idea behind good. it, the idea behind it is that there's been uh, a temporal anomaly yeah you paid attention to the story yeah it's because i'm a massive star trek nerd q's involved there's a massive temporal anomaly and all of a sudden uh characters from the entire like star trek canon are appearing at at around about the same time and it's awesome so you've got like voyager crew members with ds9 and original series which bores me but (laughs) it's just so good it's so good and yeah it it is interesting. Um, it surprised me. It's really surprised me. Uh, I can't bring myself to pay for anything on it. I'm still just playing the free stuff. I'd, I may have I may have bought the the month pass. That wasn't that special offer thing that showed you that forty two quid. No, goodness, oh, no, no. It's like it was like three quid, and then you get a hundred dilithium a day for a month, which seemed like a really good deal. You so. See, that's not too bad. Yeah, um, because there's there's certain currency that you earn in the game which you can spend willy nilly, and it gives you stuff, but not necessarily the best stuff. You have to pay for the better currency. So what what I did do was by buying that after a week or so, I was able to purchase like an entire premium pack. Which uh, gave me pretty much ten awesome characters. That's good. I might. Yeah. Oh, I might be tempted by that because I'm hitting that point where I've got some good characters. I've had three Wesley Crushers, which you can combine to level them up as well, which is you quite see, interesting. So but, I've got I've got excellent science skills and. But for ages, else. Wesley was like the backbone of my away team, and <laughs> um, and now he's just I've got I've got Crusher. Oh yeah, and. Um, the other crusher. Sorry, I've got mummy. his mum. Yeah, I've got his mum. <laughs> so I was just thinking, same person. I've had his mum, um, and uh, yeah, she's Beverly's awesome. Is she? Yeah. yeah. Um, but Cisco, I say I haven't got him. Oh, he's he's just amazing. Anyway, this is totally boring for anybody who's yeah. not into Star Trek. Yeah, so and this anyway. is not the podcast I want to make. But um, <laughs> but now I'm thinking about it. Maybe maybe that's another podcast I'm going to make. <laughs> so Star Trek timelines surprised me and i don't do mobile games and i've played quite a lot of it so good so good right okay um but whilst we're in a space theme um and it probably drove my space itch a little bit and that that um no man's sky isn't out for still and the fact you you can't get elite on the ps4 elite on the ps4 i did get um from the nice people over at double damage um, a copy of rebel galaxy is it good it's excellent. It's so much fun. 
if you've ever wanted to be a space pirate or a space trucker or just a space trader, it's brilliant. Let's get this out of the way right now. Is it is it meant to scratch the elite itch or is it is it not aimed at that? I audience? don't think it is. I don't think it's aimed at that audience. It's not technical enough. Um, you only move in two dimensions. It's a fully three D rendered universe, but you you're only moving in two dimensions. You can't go up and down basically. But that's because you're flying what is essentially a capital ship. And when you're engaging in space combat in a capital ship, you don't want to be disoriented, especially when you've your main weapons are broadsides. Think of Assassin's Creed naval combat, and you've got it. Okay. It's like that. But it just works, and there's something really satisfying about traveling thousands of miles to sell some mined resources at double the price of the, the nearest space station or exploring and discovering new things and getting your ass handed to you by space pirates occasionally <laughs> or not or just paying them off to leave you alone which works quite well okay. um, I, I was really surprised by it the um the game it's just pretty engaging it's not the longest story there aren't a lot of missions but you spend a lot of time in the game prepping yourself for those missions because you need to earn money and level up and buy new ships and buy new weapons and do everything that you would need to do to progress. What surprised me above all was it's made it, it's it's a game that can go for 30 or 40 hours quite comfortably. It looks well, it sounds great, it's got this amazing um I want to say Sons of Anarchy soundtrack. If you've ever watched that TV series, it's a very sort of biker gang feel to it. You see I, I watched a few I watched uh, you playing it and streaming it and the one thing i kept thinking was um serenity firefly the the music that slightly western i've vibe. never watched firefly so i wasn't quite sure but it is a, that very much that western um frontier kind of vibe yeah um it all works it's slick that it hasn't been oh, as far as i know it hasn't been patched it all works there's no issues it's like the presentation of a AAA game, even if some of the some of the mechanics aren't quite AAA. It's made by two people, two people. That, that was that blew me away. <laughs> we, we've seen stuff come from studios of hundreds, which have been terrible. But this this is just brilliant. Two people. Okay, well, that sounds interesting. Um, that it? Uh, yeah, that I'm going to talk about now. Okay. I did. Oh no! I'll chuck in Lego Lego Marvel Avengers because I've been playing it today. I finished it today, so there'll be a review in coming soon. Um, and if you like your Lego games, it's just more of the fun stuff from Lego. Okay. And uh, if you want to check out more about Rebel Galaxy, then check out www.codecmoments.com, uh, where you'll find Matt's review. Yes. Um, I've played quite a bit. I've played a little bit of a lot of things this month. So I've played a little bit of Elite. Um, I played Black Ops Two, Rainbow Six Siege, Fable Two. I've been, I dusted off that in uh, in the backwards compatibility on the Xbox. Really? One. Yeah, that was fun. I, I, although I haven't got my save saved. Um, you have to start from scratch. So I'm having to start from scratch. So I think I'm going to do a completely evil bastard playthrough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Monument Valley and Lara Croft Go, which have been recommended to me on Facebook. Yeah, what's Lara Croft Go like? Because I loved Hitman Go. It's great. Do you know what? I thought it was going to be more of the same. Um, and Hitman Go was all right, but it was um, it got a bit repetitive. I felt. Yeah, if you as you get deeper into it, yeah. Yeah. So I thought, oh, it's going to be more of the same. It'll just be um, it'll be like a reskinned version. And it's not. It's 
the mechanics kind of the same, but it feels like a Tomb Raider game. It's really weird. Yeah. So it's it's a lot more puzzle focused. Whereas the, whereas the puzzle in Hitman Go was how do you get to this guy and kill him? Often in the the fewest moves. There's no um, there's no star. There's no ranking system. So it is. It's literally you. You have to solve the puzzle using um, often using the creatures and the the enemies that are there as as part of the puzzle solving. The tools at your disposal to solve the puzzles. It's, it's really good. I like yeah. that idea. I might um, I might give that a look. Um, so that's good. I've played. Um, Star Trek Timelines, as we discussed. I've played Alto's Adventure. That's another mobile game I've been playing, which I played a while ago. And somebody on Facebook, Russell Watson Thomas, has um, shamed me into playing Alto's Adventure again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's completed all the challenges that are in it. So it's like you can reach 61 levels. For each level, you have to complete three challenges in the game. And it's basically um, you're an alpaca farmer. And uh, all your alpacas escape, so you have to snowboard, snowboard down a mountain and catch them. <laughs> Whilst doing flips and grinds, and it's absolutely mad. Uh, so is, I'm playing is, that is again. Is SSX tricky? <laughs> In a different way. Ah. Uh, so that's good. Uh, I've also... Um, oh, God, I've been playing Killzone Shadowfall. Please, 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 just... Let me not have to play another no. second of that. No, you've it's got to finish it. It's just the most shockingly bad game. It isn't. It's atrocious. It it you've really just taken is. that mindset now. I'm no, gonna make you finish just, it. Do you know? Can I? Can I be totally blunt here? And uh, it, I'm being totally genuine now. I'm not. I'm not making this up for effect. It makes me not want to turn on my PlayStation because I, I just think Matt's forcing me to play this game. I absolutely hate it. So I'd rather not play any games at all. It's, it's, that's genuinely how I feel now. It's just awful. It's an awful, awful, atrocious, horrible game. Uh, I want to snap the disc in half. That's terrible. Yeah. I know, that's how it makes me feel. It's made me depressed. <laughs> Hence, everything being an Xbox title this month. Then. <laughs> there is a trend here, yeah. Yeah. So what's your last game? <laughs> okay, uh, there's two two here. Uh, so I played I played Halo Reach, mm-hmm. which is great um, because it's a first person shooter, and you can kind of I've played a lot of tactical games where you move slowly forward and you you know you secure your advantage and you cover and you you press forward slowly and tactically, and Halo Reach just goes ah let's use plasma guns <laughs> go <laughs> to the extent that I kind of this whole pressing forward as quickly as I could thing. Um, kind of backfired right at the end because there's one particular thing you've got to do and I kept dying and I kept dying and I kept dying and I thought, you know, the game must be glitched or it's impossible and I was about that far away from a rage quit when I suddenly realised I'd pressed so quickly through that all the enemies were still behind me while I was sat on this big gun (laughs) and they were just shooting me from my back. So that backfired. Um, And I played Rise of the Tomb Raider. What's it like? It's good. It's more... Tomb Raider-y goodness. Um, yeah. It looks pretty nice. It plays really well. Um, the story, because Lara's kind of a little bit more gung-ho and she's got a bit more about her, the, you get into the action a lot quicker. Um, but it's good fun. She takes a real beating quite near the beginning um, in various ways. So you, you kind of that, it kind of explains the whole why you're here without any of your, your skills or your equipment. Oh, so it's a way of putting you back to scratch. And yeah, but it but it works really nicely. Yeah. It's it's a really good game, and I got to kill a bear. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Good. Right. What's what's now then? Well, all I was going to say is um, we've chucked out a few reviews over the last month as well, so we've mentioned a couple of them, but um, Game of Thrones, we have reviewed the final part. That's up there. Um, Just Dance 2016, which um, you were doing in your hotel room, if I remember correctly, to get that one complete. Yes. <laughs> on the projector, which um, sounds challenging. Uh, it worked really well, actually. Do you know, because the... Um the, they've added a new mechanic where you can uh, you can use your mobile phone as a controller, uh, and it tracks your movement using your mobile phone. So you don't even need the PlayStation camera or the Connect to well, play that's it. That's quite handy. Yeah, and it suddenly turns it into the ultimate party game because if you've got a bunch of people who come around and you've all got a mobile phone, you download the the app. Um, you can all play it together. Up to I think it's up to six players. That's actually quite. It smart, works really well. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Um, Rebel Galaxy we mentioned, and Deadpool we reviewed as well, which I know is a few months out since the remaster came, uh, but it was a bit cheap in a sale and, and play through it, and yeah, go check it out, see what we thought. Excellent, right, thanks very much, uh, let's move on. WTF, what's that, fellas? Right, it's WTF. It's that time where we take uh, a look at some of the news stories in the past month that have made us double take. Yes. What's up first, Matthew? What's up first is the Hitman beta release date. So <gasps> oh. we got that information and 12th of February it's coming and it's a self-contained level and it's something that we're really excited about. Um, probably a little bit too excited in your case in that you slightly mistook one of the sample images has been a cable car station. I thought actually... it was a cable car station. And quite frankly, right, if you had a list of things that would make any game better, a cable car has got to be one of them. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it's basically a secret lab is the photo. But the cable car station got us thinking and discussing how many ways could you kill somebody in a hitman contract yeah. with a cable car it would be amazing. or a station. We, we, we must have come up with 30 or 40 just from a single phone conversation. It just, you know, exploding the cables and plummeting to its death or my, sniping from the top of a mountain and all sorts. My personal favourite was um, was dropping the, or damaging the cables so the car falls on someone. Yes. So if you've got any ways that you could kill somebody with a cable car or cable car station, then feel free to drop us a line at Codec Moments or uh, get in touch with us uh, on Facebook. Yes. Um, So that was actually what we were going to talk about. And then two (laughs) days later... Then they went and messed it all up. So for those of you who haven't heard, um, they've cancelled the pre-orders of Hitman. Now... In fairness, I don't know if this was specific to PlayStation or if it hit all platforms. I just know I got an email from Sony saying, we're cancelling it because we're changing the package. And the price no longer stands, which we got as a really good price, 40 quid, back in March last year. So mm. we've had that pre-order on for nine months. Yeah. And then and it's then, been stopped. Then this happened. So I'm not amused. So we're being told <laughs> it's because the scope and content of the game is not the same as when they originally put it out there it sounds basically like the original the original plan was they were going to put it out and then they were going to put it out as um a base kind of game and then have the the additional content drop um 
after a couple of months, and now they're going to do it in a truly episodic fashion where it's going to be um, one item every month every for six month. months. Yeah. So there's there's no issue with that, but obviously they're, they're saying now, well, we're changing what we described, so we've got to cancel the pre-orders. You'll all have to pre-order again. So it means we're not going to get the price that we got originally. Um, but I don't know if the price will change. I think what will happen is I think they'll now put up two... They'll put up two price points. The first one will be you can buy the first episode. The second one will be you can buy the entire lot. It might be, but I suspect it's going to go up. I don't think it'd be forty pound anymore because we already had a stealth price increase. It'd already gone to forty five after six months or three months. There was, there was something that they actually increased the price of it. Um, but the thing that bugs me is where on the thirty first of January, um, the twelfth of February is not far away, and that's a publicised date for the beta. And the pre-orders are not back on the PS4 yet. And the beta was PS4 exclusive. I suspect it'll now be PC and PS4. <laughs> but we've heard nothing about it. Okay, doggy. So that's frustrating and annoying. And um, I, I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But no. let's, let's talk about a nice thing that PlayStation have done. Because they've done a mean thing. So let's talk about a nice thing they've okay, done to you. So what, the, oh, oh, that nice thing. That nice thing they did. So, back in June last year, as they were celebrating five years of PlayStation Plus, they got in touch with all PlayStation Plus members who'd had a continuous membership for five years and said, send us your address and we will do you a nice poster and send it out to you in October detailing all your achievements. Um, We got a nice little email in November saying, sorry you missed October, that will be coming (laughs) soon. And actually they turned up in January, um, a little poster of all the achievements They've accomplished on PlayStation Plus. Well, what did you think of your, your poster? Did you like it? Well, let, let's put it this way. The information that they've used is everything you've done in PlayStation Plus. So we all automatically assumed it would be trophies earned and things like that. That's not in there at all. It's just what you've done with PlayStation Plus. And it's a really lovely touch. It's a little frame day. I think it's just over an A4 size piece of paper, quite nicely produced, especially for free. Um, when it was sent out, they've gone through some seriously heavy-duty packaging, so this wasn't a cheap thing to do. But the information is absolutely appalling. Now, I I work in a very data-heavy industry. Um, pharmaceutical industry, we collect data on all kinds of things. And I have no doubt that the kind of systems they have at Sony will be tracking all kinds of statistics about how yes. we play and what we do. The choices of things they've put on this poster baffles me. I mean, what what was the one number of number of play sessions online? Yeah, on your PS4. So even yeah, even yeah. in that to the PS4, not even the PS3. So it was only in which two played years. for three and a half years before the PS4 came out. Yeah, it's really odd choice. It's the the thing that bugs me. It tells you how many of the PS Plus games you downloaded and how many of them you've played. And it tells you the number of hours you spent in the one that you've played the most. It doesn't tell you what that game is. No. <laughs> I have no clue which PS Plus game I spent 20 hours in. I strongly suspect it was Costume Quest. But I, because that was the last one I remember playing for any length of time. Yeah. I, I don't know. It. I love the sentiment. I really do. I think it was a really nice idea. But whoever was in charge of um, providing the analytics wants shooting. Just enough to say, you have really done a bad job there. Hobble. So there we go. So uh, if you feel that anybody at Sony should be brutally maimed, uh, perhaps you should get in touch with Matthew. Uh, also, if you're, you know, from the authorities, 
I didn't say how we were going to do it. <laughs> I just said, I think somebody should be shot in the foot. Okie dokie. They right. shot themselves in the foot, so we might as well do it for them. Okay, so the final thing we're going to talk about is, um, I've got my show notes, banana-based Wi-Fi system. Oh, banana-based Wi-Fi. So you security actually, system. You shared this one with me, actually. I did. I like this. It, was, um, it came to us via at um, Rory Maybe on Twitter. That's who I picked it up yeah. from. It was a good shout. Well, it's very please, good. Please explain. So, um, a guy who, in their office, provides guest Wi-Fi for any of the visitors. Um, I would, In fairness, I haven't actually worked out. Just says the guy's a Danish network engineer, so I don't know if this is done in Denmark or somewhere else. Um, but basically, they're provided with random passwords, um, and each day a receptionist has to print out a sheet of random passwords onto um, a piece of A4 and then chop it up into tiny little pieces to hand out to people. Well, surely there's no better way of distributing passwords to people oh, obvi- than that. Obviously not. Um, so this guy who is Stefan Milo um, basically figured out that he could save everybody a lot of time and effort if he did something a little bit clever with a makey-makey circuit board and a Raspberry Pi. Um, so over a weekend, he decided to write the code, which I believe is only about 20 or 30 lines of code for the right. Raspberry Pi, hooked it up to a display, plugged in his makey-makey circuit board, um, so that basically when people walked into the office and pressed an object, it would display on the screen a six-digit Wi-Fi password. Right, so this works based on the resistance. If you touch so, an object, so there's a change in the, the charge and the resistance, and it. it detects that. It says, do it, give me a password. Um, I think he said he'd start about 5,000 passwords in there, um, but he could make some changes and increase that if it was needed to. He just decided that the thing that he had to touch was a banana. Brilliant. <laughs> and it's literally a case of, if you want our Wi-Fi, you must touch our banana to generate yourself a code that's valid for eight hours. And I thought that's absolute genius. If you've not touched that banana, you can't use their Wi-Fi. So basically, it's, it's a physical system of distributing a code. If you don't go into the office, you can't touch the banana so therefore you can't log into their Wi-Fi without actually passing through their reception yes. area. And I think one thing he was thinking was, as that banana gets older and mankier, you really have to want that Wi-Fi. That, yeah, that's not right, is it? That's no. no. But I believe from what the story is saying that it was gone within a day. Um, the, the principle was there, but the banana didn't last. I don't <laughs> think it doesn't say if somebody ate it or not. It does. It says uh, in the article, oh, it, it says his boss ate it. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, but it was just the use of technology in a weird and wonderful way. Fabulous. And to prove a point, and it basically saved the receptionist having to do a shed load of work every day. Uh, that's a fantastic idea. So we'll post a link to that in the show notes on codecmoments.com. We will. We right. Will. That's brilliant. So that's it. That's that bit done. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Right, so this month I was lucky enough to speak to a real-life actual racing driver. That was very, very cool. We have to um, just drop a a little shout-out to Stuart Cullen, anyway, for helping us set that up. Yeah, so I got to speak with Christy Doran, who is... um, She's a real-life actual racing driver, and she was the Scottish Sun's rookie racer. So to explain that, um, a few years ago, uh, Janetta, who a racing team, came to John Doran, who is Christie's dad, okay. and he's the deputy motors editor at the Scottish Sun, and they basically wanted to do something a bit different. And he had the idea, <laughs> wish my dad was this cool, he had the idea of putting his 15-year-old daughter, who had never driven, uh, never really done any karting, into a racing car to see if she could be a race driver. 
Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> brilliant. Um, what an idea. So, yeah, so basically she uh, she began a racing career and had about seven months to learn how to drive a car, r- learn basic racecraft, uh, pass a racing license and take part in a in a race. So I asked her, really, what what was this all about? What was it what was it trying to prove? So basically what we're trying to prove is that you don't need years of karting experience if you want to be a racing car driver. Um, basically if you want to do it, you can do it. So in seven months I learned basic racecraft, um, learned how to drive the car and then I did my race license with two weeks to spare before the race and it all went very successfully so I did my first race at Knock Hill and finished it 13th out of 15. It was quite a good achievement and once I started I didn't want to stop so I wanted to keep going. Brilliant. It's clearly been reasonably successful yeah. because she's still a racing car driver. She's now uh, racing the VAG uh, Championship and... Oh, the question I put to her next was: um, Do you, do you think that you lived up to the expectations of the program that first year, and um, how's your career been since then? It's been a success because it's raised the profile of motor racing and of women being involved. And um, it's been a challenge because most racers get to learn the car and the series over a couple of years, but um, I've had a different challenge each year. I went to do my first series in the classics after the Ginetta and a Tiare, and I finished second in class there. Then I did my first single make series in, in the BMW Compact Cup. And then I moved on to the VAG Trophy, and that was in 2015, where I did my first UK series, and I finished that fourth in class. So it's been going pretty well so far. It sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds pretty yeah, good. So really well. What a few of you might be wondering is, why am I talking to a racing driver when this is pretty much a podcast about gaming and, and technology? Last year, Christy, who's not a gamer, took part in um, the Project Cars Young Driver Initiative. So I asked her to explain what that was and, and how it works. Well, basically, Stuart Collin, who is the Scottish Sun gamer expert, um, he was doing a chat with Andy Tudor at Slightly Mad Productions. And he just mentioned that I wanted a game that had all the tracks on it. And the game I was using at that time only had a couple of the tracks that I needed on it. So um, since I was starting to do my first UK series and Scotland's quite a long distance away, so testing was expensive and I wanted to prepare as much as possible. So Andy said that Project Cars was coming out and we wanted me to have a look at it, so I got an advanced copy. The game was just a part of my training rather than an actual game or to be competitive. So I tried to stay quite focused, although my competitive side did come out quite a lot, especially if I was playing with my car. <laughs> So basically what the Project Cars Young Driver Initiative has allowed Christy to do is to put time in on a track uh, that she otherwise wouldn't be able to get to because the, the time and the resources required in the real world to get there may be prohibitive. Yeah. So thinking about this, uh, my next question naturally led to um, thinking she wouldn't be just sat there with a controller. Uh, what, what was the setup like? Well, it is actually pretty basic. All I've got is um, a Thrustmaster wheel and pedals and then a comfy seat. It is a pretty basic setup. Now, I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be a little bit more complicated than that. What what with it, you know, yeah. basically learning how to drive a race car on a particular track? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a few project car setups with multi-screen monitors and really fancy equipment. And I might have expected something like that. But that's really interesting to know that you can learn these tracks just with a basic setup. With that in mind, I kind of thought, how realistic is the simulation? It's impressive how realistic the game is because you can tell the different weather conditions because there's a change with handling and um, it's good live visualisation. 
because I use breaking references and it's often the um, advertising boards at the side. So I'm able to use them in the game and then when I come to the track, the advertising boards are there. So I've already got my breaking point ready to go. So Christy's one of the few people who has got real world experience of tracks in project cars. And I asked her if she uh, had the opportunity to feed that back to um, Slightly Mad Studios. Yeah, I do get a chance to talk to the guys at Slightly Mad. Um, I did a blog on how the game was helping me. Because since I'm not much of a gamer as such, my feedback was more on how accurate the tracks were. I don't fancy learning a track and finding it was like not how it was when I got there. When I was in the VAG Trophy, I'd been to Donington Park and Alton Park. So they were the first few tracks I played at Project Cars. And um, when I first played them, they were brilliant. It was so close to being real life. They've been really good to work with. And they understand racing, so they knew what was helping me. And 2015 was a big year as it was the first time at all the UK tracks. So the time I spent on the game was vital. We were using a faster car than mine, so I could feel where the tougher corners were and have an idea of really a really good lap time. Because we um, we put that against the lap times from the previous years in the VAG Trophy. But the big thing was feeling comfortable at the track, even though I had not been there before because I'd done so many laps in the game. So I, I really love this idea of being able to put in time virtually on a track and actually have that those skills transferable to the real yeah. world that shows you know the level of simulation that's involved in these these games um and other things just on on a on a slight note i did ask about project cars 2 and got rebuffed so obviously it's a good relationship that you've got with slightly mad studios you're um you say you're going to be with them this weekend at the autosport yep um, with that in mind, uh, are you helping to develop Project Cars 2? I have had talks with them and there's some exciting ideas coming up but nothing has formed up yet. So is there is there anything you can tell us about yet? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this space, is it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you she, go. <laughs> she did tell me she's not in the game. I'm disappointed. I wish she were. That'd be awesome. I've always wanted to know somebody who's in a video game. That'd be brilliant. Anyway, uh, the, back back on topic. I asked her if uh, the Young Driver Initiative had been beneficial to her racing career. It's been really good. I've enjoyed being part of the process. I mean, it's a different world to me, and part of the racing is about your profile. And I was amazed at how huge the gaming community was and how much interest they took into my racing. So I began autograph requests from like all over the world, from like like Poland, Hong Kong, and India. And I'm pretty sure that's down to Project Cars. Now, the other thing, and there's an interesting parallel here, is that Christie's also involved uh, as a road safety ambassador for Good Egg Drivers, which is a national initiative uh, backed by Road Safety GB, uh, Road Safe, Brake, and many other leading road safety organisations, which uh, their aim is to reduce young driver and passenger casualties throughout the UK. So I asked her about her work there. Basically, we go down to schools, and it's basically we teach them how to keep uh, get their licence and keep it. And my role in it is just to see how different it is from speeding on the track and speeding on the roads. Because obviously I've got a roll cage in the car, I've got all my safety equipment, and that's what keeps me safe if anything does happen on the track. But then they don't have this on the roads, so it's not safe for them to do it. And um, just teach them a bit about car control. You need to know how the car's going to handle. And obviously I've been trained in this and they haven't. So I've got more of a chance of being able to do it than they do on the roads as well. There should definitely be a bigger focus on driver education at schools because they could go through all their exams and get 
really good grades and everything, but it could all be ruined if they don't know road safety and crash their car and end up with horrible injuries that could be life-changing or worse. Now, I'll be honest, I was a young driver once, um, and the one thing that I always thought was, uh, well, the one thing I think now is that you you have that very brief when you let out to drive, you pass your test and you go out for the first time. You have a very mm. brief period where you're incredibly cautious. Yeah. And that soon disappears and you become untouchable behind the wheel of a car. And I started out, I'll be honest, with this piece thinking it was a it was a nice piece about using technology and using games to learn about racetracks and transfer those skills to the real world, which you'd already discussed briefly. But actually, I started to see there's a bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. Can we use this technology in other ways? Can we use this technology to teach people how to drive safer, how to give them road experience that perhaps they wouldn't have, but how to give people road experience that perhaps none of us have had? You know, somebody stepping out in front of you or, or you know, the makings of a very serious road collision. And it got me thinking the natural extension of this is VR. And we've just had the price yeah. point of Oculus Rift announced this month. And it got me thinking, what what are the real applications of VR that are going to make it succeed? What does it need to do to succeed? Because I don't think it's just about gaming. I think no, it needs no, to be you, elsewhere. You, you're right. It, it can't just be in that marketplace. Um, and I know it's, it's the most recent comment that we've had in, but it's probably the one most pertinent to that point is the Stuart... Cullen got in touch with us, he, he dropped his note on his thoughts on VR, um, very much of the idea that um, to make it work in the home, you've got to spend an awful lot of money on it, otherwise you, you've you not got a true VR experience, it's basically sat on your sofa with a big headset, headset on, you see it at expos and things um, where they've got treadmills and you've got this full 360 degree movement and really you're not going to do that in your living room. He has said he's luckily had the chance to try oculus and the playstation vr and whilst they are both impressive he can see the limitations and his his view is that if it doesn't solve some of those issues it's going to die a death it'll be a gimmick and for me that's where your point comes in you can develop it as a gaming application because it will pull media interest, it pull people's interest, but then you need offshoots of use elsewhere. Yeah, and potentially there's that there's that niche with the gaming thing. Do you end up with a million flight simulators and a million driving games that are all of questionable quality because people are churning them out? Are people going to want to play shooters on it? It'd be great being able to move around the room and aiming, but like you say, walking, is, is that going to be something you're going to want to do? Is that going to add to that kind of dissonance? So a few people chimed in this on our Facebook group. Paul Curran basically said the same thing about the issue with... Uh, he said they need to sort out the movement, look at the Wii and how many lamps and other people were repeatedly hit whilst playing, <laughs> their hands moving around in a blur to attack or interact with the game world. Um, he's, he's right. You only need to go on YouTube for the number of Wiimotes that went through TVs. And he says, yeah, and he says, well, now translate that to the real world. You know, when you when you're trying to move around in a 360 degree arc, um, you're going to end up tripping over tables, yeah. rugs, pets. It is <laughs> the those kind of home experiences. Yeah, they're going to have to be designed for you just to look at what's in almost 180 degrees because that's the only way you're going to turn your head when you sat down. Hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be stood up and you can maybe rotate in a circle, but you're not going to be able to walk very far. 
No. Uh, Graham, our very own Graham, made a really good point about it. it needs to be reasonably priced and have a structured roadmap of development so it's not just a gimmick that'll let down early adopters. Also, if it had educational aspects for kids, along with gaming, it would get into more homes. And I like that. I like the idea of... Um, I think Paul Curran came back with um, Graham's right. There's an open market for adults, kids, and teens, uh, from porn to walking with dinosaurs, fighting medieval battles, or witnessing an important time in history. Uh, the VR system is no way a gimmick. I love the idea of learning about World War One by walking through the trenches and talking to people. Those, that's that's a fabulous. Those idea. kinds of things are, are, would mm. be cracking, like the walking with dinosaurs idea that they might have done for TV a few years back. It's actually being able to be in there and physically stood next to, in your head anyway, physically stood next to a dinosaur to give you that sense of scale and an understanding. He he nails something that we're not going to dwell too much on, but the porn aspect. If porn scares me. It, Can it you scares imagine? you, but if they go wholesale on it, it'll be... You know it'll take off. They, they drove the VHS industry. They drove the DVD market. Um, what, what kind of accessories are you going to get along with that? I, I don't want to know. And we won't go any further than that, but he's the got one... a point. If it gets picked up and used, it will have a marketplace that will drive that development. The one thing that... <laughs> I want to say the one thing that did arise from that conversation, and oh, that just sounds like a bad dear. pun. The one thing that did make me think of about that is imagine if you walk into your friend's living room and he's there with a VR headset on, a controller in hand, and he's doing what looked like squat lunges, right? <laughs> and he's asking what he's doing, and he said, I'm playing COD. And you know he's teabagging someone. <laughs> now imagine, imagine being on the receiving end of a virtual teabagging. I'm not sure I'm oh, in for Oh, no, no. No, I don't think anyone is. So, <laughs> um, and I think there's the there's the argument as well about, um, you know, 3D. Is, is 3D... A good analogy for VR because 3D was kind of all the range for about three weeks a few years ago. We had 3D TVs coming out a lot of places, but it wasn't particularly well supported with um, with content uh, because it wasn't well supported with content. Not enough people bought the devices, and then... I don't know with 3D. I think 3D is is actually still doing the business with films. I sat and watched the film in 3D last night. Um, we do, we do it fairly regularly, but you just think of cinema presentations at the moment. Virtually every, and it is a particular type of film. It does tend to be action movies, um, but they are done in three D. Okay, so you, maybe you've seen that a lot. But maybe gaming me, though, support three D is a different matter. It started off quite strongly, and then it's just disappeared completely. So maybe this is me in my own little bubble. I, I be honest, I don't go to the cinema. I've got a child. I don't have time for that, in all honesty. Um, the last film I saw at the cinema was Prometheus, so that tells you a lot. Which was in 3D. It was in 3D, yeah, admittedly <laughs> that's true. I don't have a 3D television, so I don't watch right. films in 3D. Fair enough. C- can people get in touch and tell me if I'm right or wrong? Is is 3D dead, or am I just completely blinkered to it? It's it's an interesting one. From my, my point of view, I think it's alive in films, it's dead in games. I'm waiting to see what they do with VR films because those can be really interesting. A full present movie presentation as a 360-degree view will be incredible. And interestingly enough, this week Ubisoft have partnered with Spectavision, which is a production company founded by Elijah Wood, Daniel Noah, and Josh C. Waller. Um, and they've entered into a partnership 
uh, to create, develop, and produce interactive virtual reality content. So that, to me, sounds like a VR story-driven game because Ubisoft have... I'd like to think um, this is probably coming from their Valiant Hearts heritage. Hmm. That'd be interesting. From the from the movie angle, um, Justin Lin, the Fast and Furious director and the guy who's doing the next Star Trek film, or has done the next Star Trek film, he uh, released a short film last year on cardboard, which, um, if you remember, the Prof and Brian um, made some <laughs> Google cardboard for us. Um, but yeah, he put one out middle of last year. It was a short film, um, but it's just, what are they going to do with it? It wears... Where's the entertainment value in all of that? Because it's not going to replace a cinema experience unless all cinemas are going to suddenly put 600 headsets in No, in the and seats. It's, it's interesting. That's what Matthew Holloway uh, contacted us on Facebook to say. Um, it's going to take more than a single killer app to get most people and families in particular to drop somewhere between a car and a house payment on something that only one person can use at a time and which, frankly, removes couch co-op from the possibility list. That's a really interesting point, is that because we know that the Oculus is a very expensive piece of equipment from the from what they've put out there as the price point. That's ridiculous. It's more than a console. And it's my worry of the PlayStation VR. Is that going to be more than the piece of machinery that sat underneath my TV? Because that would put me off. Yeah. Because you're going to have to buy software on top of it. And so you're very quickly going to be what, potentially five, six, seven hundred pounds. Especially when you take into account the fact that um, they're not going to be cross compatible. You know, it's going to be it's going to be VCR Betamax on a on a much more expensive scale. Yeah, it is, and it will yet to understand how other people in the room can interact. Does it actually display what you're seeing on the screen for people? Mm. So at least you have got something going on with other people around you. How, back to that couch co-op point or actually is it is it completely a solitary experience that no one else can enjoy so if you've got any thoughts on vr we'd like you to let us know you can contact us by email contact hyphen us at codecmoments.com or on twitter at codec moments uh, or you can get in touch on our facebook group which is uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash codec moments yeah uh, and basically, I think the question we want to know is what does VR need to do to succeed and, and what do you perceive as being the, the killer apps? What's what's going to grow it? What's it, what's going to make it the next Wii? Yeah, what would put it in your home? All right, well, I like that. I think that's a good point to, I think that's a good point to end that discussion and hopefully we'll pick it up next month with some of your comments. Right, it's time for the Codec Momentum updates. It's uh, where we give you the Codec Momentum to finish a game on your pile of shame. And we're not just giving you Codec Momentum, we'll actually send you a badge, which is even better. Uh, and from this month, we committed to sending money as oh, well. Oh yeah, I'm giving away cash. Oh, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> so my favourite part of the month, <laughs> to give somebody else's money away to somebody else. <laughs> so that's good. Um I think what we should do to start with is we ask people to give us some um, Skype voicemail updates on how their momentum was going. Oh, we I did. We, I think we should do those first, and then we'll get into the finishes. We did. So uh, Connor got in touch at VDJOMB. Good evening, Matt and Andy. 
just thought I'd give you a call. It's Connor Fernin to give you a progress report on my Kodak Momentum. I have now finished Until Dawn, at least my first playthrough of it. I did really enjoy the game. It looks nice. It doesn't look amazing. I've seen better motion-captured games. Uh, the voice acting at times is is okay, but very, very hammy. Um, I think Hayden Panettiere was kind of slung in at the end. I hated the motion controls. I think they're absolutely dreadful. And the game wasn't as scary as I expected it to be. Sounds like I'm being really negative, but the game itself was really good. It was really tense. Um, As I said, not really scary, but was quite an interesting story without giving anything away. It was good. Really, really good. Really, really enjoyed it. Played through uh, Four Survived which I was quite impressed with, barring two died very close to the end through my own stupidity. One, because I moved the controller when it said don't move, because I wanted to capture a screen grab of a really, really good shot in the game. So that was stupid. The girlfriend started it, she's played through the first, the prologue and the first chapter, and's made different decisions, so I'm curious to see how hers plays out. Um, I've already seen a few different bits based on the choices she's made. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. I may go for the Platinum, but at the moment I'm not Platinum pledging it. We'll just have to see. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Keep up the great work on the podcast, and I'll hope to speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. Right, well, firstly, you're not Platinum pledging it because we don't do that anymore, but more on that in a bit. We'll get to that. Um, Secondly... Now I, we know Connor really well, so I'll, I'll say this because we know him very well, and I won't I won't take the Mickey out of anybody who sends us audio clips because it's awesome if you've got the time to send us yeah, a little audio. It clip, is it's brilliant, but it does sound like he's playing a Nintendo game and watch. Yeah, was kind of slung in at the end. <laughs> What's that about? Anyway, um, he also uh, sent us another message uh, about a week or so later, um, basically berating me. Hi guys, just wanted to leave you a quick message to say, Andy, you were wrong about volume. I know you said it was your most disappointing game of last year. Uh, I'd missed out on the release because I was on a plat- on me uh, Year of Shame challenge, so I didn't end up getting to pick it up, but I got a code sent over from me uh, for just at the time of the Vita release, and I'm glad I waited. Fantastic little game. I don't understand why you were so disappointed in it. It was short, it was punchy... It developed the skills as you went along, and I got the Platinum in a matter of a week or so. Yeah, maybe it wasn't as deep as you maybe wanted, but I think a lot of the story was really clever. I think it's well worth picking up. I think you maybe had higher expectations than than I did for it, Uh, but I think it's a a great little game, and I think people should give it a crack. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. To be totally blunt, it's not that it wasn't as deep as I'd expected, it's just that it wasn't as interesting as I'd expected. Fair but, that's, but that's my personal opinion. And, you know, ask my wife. I've been wrong about many things. <laughs> okay. Um, and then uh, and Nick, Nick Case, uh, All Fall Down. On- Hi, guys. It's um, Nick Case here, All Fall Down on Twitter. And- I just realised that he gave his own introduction. <laughs> so I'm just offering a uh, bit of an update on how my current momentum's going and stuff like that. Um, well... To be honest, uh, it's already gone. Uh, I was doing Life is Strange, and I had two and a half episodes, so half the game to finish. Um, but I've managed to do that, and it's only the 10th, so 
got plenty more time for a bit, a bit of something else. I've actually, um, oh dear, I've been playing a lot of games recently. Like I said, I've just finished Life is Strange. I actually uh, got my first platinum on that last night, which was nice. I should have my second platinum by the end of the day, which will be Rocket League, which I'm greatly enjoying, even though I've been grinding hard on it, just trying to get as many games done so I can get a load of uh, items and stuff like that. And the third one, <laughs> that sounds ridiculous, isn't it? I've done three games already. Uh, my third one is I've just finished Little Bit Planet 3, the main story mode, uh, and I've dipped a little bit into the creative mode, which I'm not usually a fan of the way that they do stuff like patching on level editors and stuff, but there's so much creativity and so many things you can do in Little Bit Planet 3 that it's, it's quite nice. Um, just having a bit of go and playing around at what I can create, it's really nice. Two very easy to finish games and very easy Platinums were Life is Strange and Rocket League. Um, like I say, Rocket League is literally just a season and you finish it, you get the gold, which I think is pretty much what you would call finishing the game. And Life is Strange is the same sort of thing, it's just play through each chapter and all the extra trophies were just for taking pictures of things every now and then along the go. Uh, <laughs> Ten days in and I've uh, finished three games. Considering it's on my second month doing Cut Momentum, I'm quite happy about really. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty good. That's that pretty is, good that turnout. That is an awesome, yeah. awesome effort. And it's made me realise that I've still not played Rocket League. <laughs> no, I've only, I know, no, nor me. Maybe no. you should. Maybe you should at I've some also, point. I've also bought Life is Strange and I've not played it yet. So uh, that's that's one that's been on my part of shame. Um, one other thing he said really took me back to our VR conversation. Mm. Yeah. If they do VR porn, we're going to have to stop using the term grinding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Let's quickly so, move that one on. <laughs> so we get round to the people who have finished this month. We've had the most number of entries for Codet Momentum. It blew up, didn't it? It, was it awesome. did. And I think it's because you offered to give money away. Money away. Yeah. Yes. So um, just as a quick recap on that, of our finishers, um, all of you will be entered into our prize draw. But excellent if people have got things cleared off their pile of shame. And one thing that we really noticed this month, it's not just one game that people are putting in. We've had people who've put in shed loads. So I've got a big list to go through, so I'm going to rattle through it. Cool. So first up is at Codec Moments, me. Yay. <laughs> I did mine. I got a Game of Thrones season one done, platinum done. Fine. Move on. You must be so proud. I am. <laughs> so easy. Um, at VDJOMB, we heard from him. He finished until dawn. We know he finished it. He didn't put us a picture in, though, to confirm he finished it. But, you know, we'll accept it this time round. Um, and he did volume as well and got a platinum on that. Well done. Um, at Nick Hulk, said he'd do Resogun. And he did. He said he'd do Disney Infinity 3.0, The Force Awakens. And he didn't. Unfortunate on that one, Nick. But we know it was because your PSM <laughs> was down. Um, at Square Freak. Awesome effort this month. Zelda Twilight Princess, Dark Cloud's Demon Shaft, and Thomas Was Alone. Yeah, that's impressive work. Well done. Yeah, flew through them. Brilliant. At Mike Tack Films, said he'd do The Witcher 3. He did The Witcher 3. We yeah. had a lot of people this month say they'd do The Witcher 3. He's the only one who did. <laughs> it's a lot of I game. am, I am. But then after his effort with, was it Yakuza 5? Oh, yeah. Um, in, in the last one, uh, that's just awesome. Well done. The perennial, he's there. Stuart Cullen at Fiori AC3. Did Transformers Devastation, Cubot, 
Never Alone, and Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, now he um, he put in a lot of time in Rainbow Six Siege, and he's um, he's what put as level fifty. He's hit the level cap. And, yes, he um, has. And got the thousand gamer score, I think. And he did um, all stars in all the situations. So that's quite impressive. Well, you know, he's done a lot of work on that one. We've heard from him already. Nick Case, All Fall Down, who did Life is Strange. And he also did Until Dawn and got a platinum on that too, even though he didn't declare it this month. Okay. Grizzly Greedon, Saints Row 4. Nice. Excellent game. Um, new this month, uh, or new to the podcast anyway, I'm just going to call it Namunky, I think it is. At N Monk three Y, um, yeah. Can we please let's? All right, I'll I'll let Stuart have Fury Ace because I don't want to be calling N Monk three Y. Fair enough. So the monkey, um, <laughs> and I, think, I was most impressed. Is that Northern Monkey? It might well be. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's another Matt. Yes. Yeah. There are a few of us. We're going to have to stick with the Twitter hashtag, otherwise it will get confusing. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was more impressed that he went for Black Ops 3 on realistic difficulty and did that. Grim Fandango remastered and got platinum on it. And infinite patience with this man. He did The Escapist and got platinum with that as well. You, you didn't get on with that, did I you? Di- I didn't. I, I love the premise. I, just the actual execution of certain parts of it did my head in. But well done on that one. And one more on the list. Yeah. At Clinical Andy. Me! Did Halo Reach. I did. So, who didn't do what they were meant to do this well, month? I, do we start with you? I didn't, I didn't do Killzone. Killzone and Shadowfall. And I'm not going to do Killzone. Do we, are we taking that off this month then? Can, oh, please, can we? Please, please, can I'd we? Say it depends on what you've done in your cycle challenge. Oh, crap. Um, so, who didn't? And he did let us know very early on. In fact, he let us know with about two weeks left. Calm. At Psalm 67. I can hear the rage from Glasgow it. now. <laughs> yes. Um, he didn't finish The Witcher 3. Um, at Rivatar, who said he'd do Assassin's Creed Syndicate, we haven't heard from him. So I'm going to have to assume he didn't do it. I don't think it's come through while we've been recording. Yeah. Um, at Daft Chunk 1, said he was going to do The Witcher 3 as well. I've had nothing to say if he did or didn't. He could well have done. Please, please let us know if you did. And then at Beob. Um, he actually declared The Walking Dead Season 2 twice. Put it down in the form a couple of times. Now, one was quite recent, so maybe maybe he's planning on doing it this month. So we'll, yeah. we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, just let us know um, how you got on. But I don't know if he did do it. Let's tweet these people and find out. Yeah, how we'll they're have to. So, of all you fantastic finishers, and the other people need to let us know how yep. you got on, we need to draw a winner of this month's £10 or equivalent voucher. So have you got all the names there? I have, yep. Okay, do it. Draw one. Right, here we go. It is Mike Tack. Excellent. Well done, Mike Tack. Okay, excellent news. I think that's just awesome. We did The Witcher 3, which, in fairness, I will probably never get around to finishing. So we, we've been thinking a lot about becoming a bit more all-inclusive because um, we've we've been a bit we have been a bit PlayStation focused, and we set up the Platinum Pledge, and then it got pointed out to us that they're only on the PS4. Yeah, so yeah. what about people with Steam or people with uh, Xbox Live? Xbox Live. So we decided that we're going to retire the Platinum Pledge. Yeah. So if you've got a Platinum this month, a Platinum Pledge, or a hundred percent achievements on the Xbox or on the PC, as we've been doing the previous month, you will still get your Platinum Badge this month. So don't worry, Stu, yours is in the post. Yeah. But what we're going to do instead is we are going to introduce the finisher. Yes. So 
if you fancy taking an extra gamble with your code up momentum for the month and you think that you can get all the trophies or achievements in that game, pledge it up front, and if you do it and you get drawn out of the hat, we will double the prize for you. Yeah, so when you uh, when you submit your entry, you need to tick the box that says all or nothing finisher, hashtag finisher, okay? If you just want to carry on doing the normal codec momentum, just finishing a game but not worrying about achieving absolutely everything, then don't worry. Uh, don't tick that box. You'll still be entered into the prize draw yeah. for a tenner. But if you tick that box, we'll double it if you win. Yeah. If you don't get the platinum or the 1,000 gold score, or whatever it is on PC. 1,000 gold score? Oh, I don't know, gamer score, oh. whatever it is. Aren't they gold, silver, and bronze? I don't have an gamer, Xbox. Gamer score. Gamer score. If you don't get 100% of everything that you commit to, you get nothing. Yeah, it sounds reasonable. That's as simple as that. It sounds fair. All or nothing. All or nothing. Right, okay, so that's it. That's what we're changing that to. And that's in effect from now. Oh, right now? Right now. Oh, let me play the sting. Right, are we do what are we doing first? Are we doing because uh, you mentioned you mentioned my root master thing? Yeah, we need to mention that. Ah, it's been so bad this month. I've got a, I've right, I've got a crunch period at work, and um, I've basically not done what I needed to. How 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 many miles have you lost? Well, on average, I should have done um, I should have done two hundred and five miles approximately in a month to uh, to make my target. And how many have you done this month? I've done 130. Oh, it's a bit off. Isn't so it? I'm about 75 miles short this month. But it's basically, I've I've got a I've got a lot on until the middle of February. Yeah. Um, and I've been travelling a lot with work. So in in road miles in my car, I've done a couple of thousand. So you've already um, finished between here and driving. Scotland. Yeah, exactly. I'll be there by now. But um, it's not a great excuse. I've been I've just not had the chance. So I've done 130. Uh, I'm about 75 miles behind where I need to be, and my aim is to catch those up in um, in the next month or so. So, so probably not all in, up by the end of February. No, no, no I, honestly, no, not all by the end of February. But I, my aim is to uh, to do it by the end of March because, as I say, I, things are manic with me until yeah. the middle of February. So that's where I'm at. So um, if you want to give me some encouragement, hashtag Rootmaster. Yeah. I am. I'm trying to cycle the uh, the distance. Of, of the American yeah, Historic Route, Route 66, 66, which is a trophy in Gran Turismo 5. Thank you. Yeah. I'll let you have the 75 miles if you finish Skills on Shadowfall. <laughs> I'd rather do 150. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. I'll, oh, God, I might actually think about that. Think about it. That should not be tempting. <laughs> oh, oh, it's this. It's time for another Codec Call Quiz. Right, it's time for another Codec Call Quiz, which is the part of the podcast where I um, pit my gaming wits against Matthew. Yeah, it's, it's it generally always got... seems very one-sided, does this? Yeah, it's because well, you can't be bothered to do one, so... Uh, You've never asked. I do one, do one next time you do it. As long as I don't have to cut audio together, I might do. Oh, well, you might have to, although I haven't. I will be honest, I haven't done it this month. So, um, 
This month, I've started. Um, I've started the Anna game up again on the Facebook group. Ah, yeah. Oh no. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I've got some gaming anagrams for you, and I want you to tell me what the games are that I'm. Uh, I've, I've anagramized. Is that is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. But this is just feeling like an on the spot episode of countdown. So I've got I've got five. Do you want an example? Yes, please. Just so if there's anybody out there who doesn't know what an anagram is, we can give them an example. So if I were to say to you, "Le ovum," "Le ovum," it would be, would it be volume? Volume. There we go. So "Le ovum" would be volume. <laughs> right. You so know, you do know this works far better when you can read the anagrams. Yeah, but you know this this <laughs> this isn't my style. So uh, the first one I've got. I've tried to keep them vaguely related to the game where possible. Yeah, um, it's I'm not gonna, always easy. I'm going to lie and say that hasn't happened with many, but there's a couple. <laughs> so the first one, primeval pathogen meant I shot lad. <laughs> what? <laughs> primeval pathogen meant I shot lad. Primeval pathogen. Right. Well, it's got to be. It's got to be Resident Evil. Oh no, you'd be wrong. No, it was in fact. Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. Oh. <laughs> okay. Right, I really, I need to be able to see these. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one. Beer Tour, Veteran Gypsy Hooted. <laughs> Can you spell Beer Tour for me? Beer Tour. Oh, Beer yeah. Tour. Beer Tour, Veteran Gypsy Hooted. And there's me hoping these are all going to be like six-letter words. <laughs> and... Beard or veteran gypsy hooted. Can I have a clue? Everybody's there. What? Are they all at the rapture? There's, everybody's everybody's gone, to the gone, rapture. gone to the rapture. Yeah. Beer tour. Veteran gypsy hooted. <laughs> You're right. They don't tie in at all with the that, games, do they? <laughs> that one didn't so much. Uh, what's, what's this one? Oh, I like this one. Pet dwelling. Craziness eightfold. <laughs> <laughs> Pet dwelling. Craziness eightfold. If it helps, it's uh, it's a Codec Momentum game from this month that somebody's completed. That might not help at all. As he <laughs> desperately looks through the list and goes, "What the hell was it?" Um, it's it, no, no, it's not Zelda Twilight Princess, is it? It is Legend of Zelda Twilight <laughs> Princess. Can't believe you've actually got one right. <laughs> it's the only one with a bloody Z in the title. Brilliant. Uh, Kazoo fan dwells hill. Kazoo fan dwells hill. Is it another Zelda? No, it's Killzone Shadowfall. Oh, I should have known that one. And the last one, uh, the last one's actually another um, another Codec Momentum game. Cholera? Ha! <laughs> Cholera? Ha! Cholera? Ha! I am actually desperately trying not to look at the list. <laughs> Cholera? Ha! No, my mind's gone blank. It was Halo Reach. Ah, oh, there you ah, go. You see? Yeah. So uh, I'm, uh, I gave you a clue for Rapture. I would call it one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll say never do that quiz again. <laughs> we'll, we'll never do that quiz again. But there you go. So that was uh, audio. It works, it works on Facebook when you can read them. Audio anagrams. Paul Curran is very good. Uh, or in fact, he's been quite good at them. And then we caught him out after three days when he claimed that after a week we'd have to make them harder. So. Um, so you did. It was good. We got him out with um, Destiny, the Taken King, 
which uh, the anagram for was he inked tangy kittens. <laughs> So yeah, I never if, got that um, one. <laughs> if you want to take part in the Anna game this month, then check out our Facebook community page, our group, and um, and play along. Right, that's it. Um, I think our idea of having a podcast less than an hour is out of the window. We'll do it one day, <laughs> but not today. Not today. Not today. In fairness, given how many issues we've come across in this podcast, it could well be under an hour. We just don't know. We've had to swap SD cards, change batteries, all sorts of stuff we shouldn't have to do. Yeah, but they'll never know that in the edit, will they? No, they well, they will now if you leave this bit in. Right, if people want to get in touch, what do they do, Matthew? They can tweet us at Codec Moments or nice. at Clinical Andy. That's me. Or they can email us, contact-us at codecmoments.com. They can get in touch on Facebook, where we are, Codec Moments, on Facebook. And that's about it, actually. I was trying to think <laughs> of some novel and interesting communication method that we've not used before, but I'm pretty sure nobody knows how smoke signals work any. So, be, yeah. we're, and it's a bit cloudy for that, anyway. <laughs> Semaphore. I think I've used that one before. Oh, have you? Yeah, oh, pretty shame. Sure. Yeah, in fact, I actually think I put a semaphore alphabet out. Morse code? Not on that one. That'd be quite a good one. Yeah. Anybody wants to get in touch with Morse code? Yep. Um, you can email us an audio file at contact-us at codecmoments.com and we'll play it out next month. Oh, that's genius. Yeah. Oh, somebody sent us a Morse code message. That'd be brilliant. That would be awesome. Right. <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. Right. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure, Matthew. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the outro now. I'm going. I'm going home. I know you're doing it. It's late on a Sunday. You need to leave. Bye. <laughs> Bye.